1220 The Word. Hi there, I'm Glenn Mertz. Welcome to Living the Word, a program where we feature people who are living the word. And thanks for being here on this Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend. Before we get to my guest today, just a couple of reminders. First of all, uh, we podcast this program up on the website, whkwradio.com. Click on Living the Word, then podcast. And all the different podcasts are right there that John Laughman and myself do. Also, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook. If you want to reach out to us, you can also do it through our website. Again, that website is whkwradio.com. I want to welcome to the studio Dr. Joel Sosa. He is a pastor of the Church of the New Hope, also a professor at uh, Malone University. And Dr. Jason Carthen, he is, uh, well, he's a, a professional football player. At least at least you were, right, Jason? With, That's correct. With the, with the Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's correct, yes. Th- thank you both for being here. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Joel, uh, let's start out with you because there's a there's a big event coming up here. Uh, a panel discussion is going to be happening in, in two weeks on, on February 1st. Tell me about this. Well, at our church, Church of the New Hope, which is on Darrow Road in Stowe, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to bring in my friend, Jason Carthen, who uh, we met, oh, 10 or so years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first met Jason at Malone University, I had learned a little bit about his NFL career. We've kept in touch over all these years. And I'm now pastoring this church in Stowe, and I have a very unique uh, group of people in this church in that I've got four persons that have PhDs, wow. one in wow. Old Testament, being myself, and then one in New Testament, one in theology, and then also one in history. So what we do from time to time is we turn our Sunday mornings into panel discussions where we take on issues that relate to Christian faith. Mm. And I thought Super Bowl Sunday would be a wonderful time to bring Jason in, let him tell his story of life in the NFL, and then what we'll do is after Jason has shared, we're going to open up for questions and answers from the congregation to Jason and to these panels of scholars who you know, have a, a, a good understanding of the field of religion, theology, history, and Bible. So really, it's really negotiating that, um, those waters between sports and religion. Yeah, we, we're generally concerned about uh, the culture in America with uh, sports, which I love so much and right. involved with, but at what point do we need to draw some boundaries? And yeah, because at some point, yeah. sports could become an idol. Exactly. I'm Absolutely. glad you used the word. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you need to use the word. <laughs> well, well, here, well, here this is one of the number one complaints I hear from pastors, and I talk to a lot of different pastors. Is I, I don't have any kids on Sunday mornings, Jason, because they're at soccer practice, they're at uh, baseball, wh- wherever That's they're right. at swimming. There was actually one time the pastor said so and so wouldn't be here today because um, they had a swimming meet. Right. On Sunday morning. It was at the YWCA. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, here's a Christian organization, mm-hmm. and they're, they're not respecting the, the church's time with the kids. That, that's a real problem, isn't it? It is. And I think there needs to be balance. I think, Glenn, at the end of the day, we've gotten away from some of our uh, values, you know, and the more we can be intentional with kind of putting those values back in place, the better off we'll be. But, you know, it's just something that's happening in society now. So we have to be intentional with trying to bridge that gap and really making sure we have a balance. You know, faith is so important. Oh, absolutely. But that should be our number one priority. But unfortunately, a lot of times sports becomes becomes that number one priority. Is, have, we, have we glamorized sports too much today? I think so. Uh, to your point earlier, you know, for many people, it's become an idol. You know, it's really, we rally around it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a gathering place. And, you know, back in the day, it used to be the church. That was a gathering place. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, unless we're intentional with really getting back to that, it's going to continue to be glamorized. Yeah. You know, and at a very early age, it's taking place too. You know, so that's all you know. That's the only example that you see. 
Yeah, but it's not just the kids. It's the parents, too. It's like, Pastor, don't go too long. Kickoff's at 1 o'clock. you oh. got to get out of here. <laughs> well, Joel, you can speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do some parallels with uh, the life of the church and the life of a sports team, you can see a lot of common commonalities there in that people like to identify with a sports team. And, yeah. uh, and that's fine, but do we identify with the church? Do we identify with Christ? The idea of gathering at a stadium and having loud expression, you know, are we willing to do that for God in, in the church environment as well? So I wonder sometimes if within our culture the idolatry moves to a place where the sporting world even substitutes completely for what is intended by God to be the gathering of saints together. And you find repetitively in the New Testament metaphors that are athletic metaphors that suggest that it's a, it's a good thing when Paul talks about running the race mm-hmm. in such a way that you may win and so on. And in Hebrews 12, you have the passage where there's a great cloud of witnesses that are that are rooting us on. But do we lose that when we move away from the church and we find our identity with that? Well, you, you bring up a good point. Our, our identity is in Christ. It isn't in a sports team. You know, Dr. Jeremiah once said that um, he big uh, Dallas uh, fan, Dallas Cowboys fan, and he followed them all over. He could go to their games and everything else, and, and they win the Super Bowl. And he said after he won the Super Bowl, he said, um, wow, he said, my life hasn't changed. That's right. It's, it's the yeah. same. And the same way with, with us. How many times, and, and you could probably relate to this, Jason, uh, being a Browns fan as we are, it's mm-hmm. you know, fif- almost 50 years and, you know, they've never gone to a Super Bowl. And Monday mornings around here are pretty bleak. We, we take our teams personally, don't we? Uh, a lot of times, yes, that's the case. I mean, it's almost it's embedded in society, especially in Cleveland. You know, I mean, the whole idea of the Browns doing well, they, the fans want to see it happen. But they've been disappointed so many times, you know, and it just goes back to that point of really elevating, you know, winning to that idol status. You just have to you have to be careful, keep it in its right uh, perspective at the end of the day. And uh, and maybe, you know, maybe the Browns will start winning, too. That would help. True, true. But like, <laughs> like, like you know, like Solomon says, I, I think he, he says it in uh, Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, my sports team has never won. And, you know, but the conclusion of that book, he says, yeah. well, here's what I found out. All of all of this is meaningless right. unless you have God. Well, I was just thinking the same thing theologically about the book of Ecclesiastes. And I think Cleveland needs to win a championship so we can sort of experience that and then move on. Yeah. And realize that, like the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's got to be something more to life. And how it ends at the conclusion is when it's all said and done, you know, fear God, keep the commandments and that sort of thing. Uh, so I wish we could get there because I've been watching all these years for Cleveland to win a championship because I want to know what does it feel like, but I have a suspicion that once I get there. But my, well, okay. my, my, my life's not going to change, though. Yeah. The only thing I might right. do is, is drain my pocketbook a little bit more because I've, I've got to go buy some sports you know, T-shirts to say champion on them. That's about, that's about all that's going to change for me, really. I, I might feel better, but by the same token, is, is I'm still going to have the same problems and I'm going to still experience some of the same joys. And I'm probably not going to see any of that money that's being earned by these other folks. No, in the field. no. Jason, you played for uh, the New England Patriots, and I had heard once, and you correct me if I'm wrong, if you had heard this, Tom Brady said he won all those all those Super Bowls, and he said that he said that's it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's really what it does. It, it makes you feel like okay, it's on to the next. You know, I yeah. may have won this time, but there's pressure now to perform for the next time. Right, you know? and, and it never it never really. Yeah, and then Everybody. you and then you retire, and then the, you you won't get that back. That's right. That's right. All the time that's been spent, you know, you have to transition well. You know, after competing at that level, 
But I think at the end of the day, we have to remember that, you know, it's for a season. Anyway, you have the success, even in jobs, you know, you have a level of success and then you transition, you know, as long as you keep it in the right perspective, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, 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 and Joel, he makes a good point. It's not just sports. It's, it's anything in our lives could become an idol. Right. Well, I enjoy watching after a championship game, the post game interviews and so on to mm-hmm. watch uh, the winner hold up the trophy five minutes after winning a championship and say, now we got to do it again next year. That's right. <laughs> like, and that's are we, the norm. We're not yeah. fulfilled. I mean, we already have to get on to the next thing. So there is this lack of fulfillment when we have idols in our life. And if it's sports or something else, any type of recreation or entertainment that takes us away from what Christ has called us to do, which is to be serious disciples of him. But idols never fulfill. Right. In fact, they just want you to, to love them more. You need more and more and more. But how, how many times do we hear people that get addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography or they got to have more they got to have more and they're never fulfilled right. ever and it's, it's the same thing can happen in sports right jason we just absolutely. I, I just you know I, i'm following my home teams well, I, I need more yeah I absolutely have, to have more yeah and you know i love that we began the parallel you know when you think about life and business it's the same thing you know i mean we have right now we have the example that whoever's going to win in the super bowl it's going to be that pressure to perform again. Right. You know, I think Russell Wilson even talked about it. You know, they really thought he was not going to do well, and he didn't do well initially, but he rallied, and even at the end they were saying, wow, he has an opportunity to go back. But that pressure to make it back was really impactful upon him early on. And it's the same thing in life and in business too because you have people that they may do well one quarter, but then your boss or the CEO or whoever it may be may say to you, okay, well, we did well then. What are we going to do this time? Yeah. So you still have that same pressure to perform. Yeah. Talking with Dr. Joel Sosa and Dr. Jason Carthen and talking about sports and, and religion. And, Jason, you were a player for uh, New England and the Jaguars. What's it like? Um, I mean, we only see what's on television. And, you know, we, we think everybody's religious in the NFL because they're always pointing to the sky after they <laughs> score a touchdown. So we're like, wow, those guys really know God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you know what, Glenn? It's, it's a challenge. Uh, really walking out your faith uh, in the National Football League is very difficult. Uh, many things are offered to you. Uh, many opportunities to do things that are probably not in your best interest are made available to you. So you have to be mature you yeah. know, in your decision-making. Uh, and if you have your faith, that's something that you can hold on to, uh, and you're you're able to make better decisions in that way. True, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell a story to you or our listeners. You know, it's it's a lot of challenges. You know, walking it out when yeah. you're in the league. Well, you're you're attacked more because you are a Christian. Well, I, I think so. Yeah, and the minute that you, as you share, point at the sky or say, you know, I'm a believer, people look at you and go, Oh, really? Well, let's test this theory. Let, yeah. Let's see, you know, how see, far this is going like to go. That. I don't like well, No one and, likes the testing. Well, and I think at the end of the day, even if you're not in the National Football League, people still want to test yeah. your walk. They want to see whether or not, okay, does it really line up? You know, you can be driving down the street, and I've told people before, when you have the fish on your, on your back uh, bumper there and people see it, hey, people may even just coax you there to see what you're going to do, how Touch, you're going to react. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... It's just a matter of being intentional with your walk every day, all the time. You know, I mean, you really don't, you really don't have a day off in that way. You That's really true. Don't. And Joel, you can speak to that, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Well, uh, all of us. Uh, I mean, like you said, I have a, actually, I'm, I'm surprised you, you brought up uh, the fish, our, our sister station bumper sticker. I have right. a, a friend at church, we go to Bible study together. He goes, you know, I, he goes, 
I don't I don't like having that fish bumper sticker on the back of my car because then I have to I have to drive uh, correctly because he wants to speed. He wants to go yeah. faster, and he goes, "Boy, I feel really guilty having that on there." <laughs> you know, I don't want people to see me going too fast with that on. But but we're like that though, mm-hmm. and people do look at us. And they, and they want to see how if we're walking the faith. And a lot of times people don't want us to walk that faith because then they can say, oh, see, those Christians are just like us. They're no different. They're not better than we are, we're, which is true. We're not better than they are. No, we're, we're not. We're not. But I think the thing is, you know, when you're when you're tested that way mm-hmm. uh, and they're doing that to see what you're going to do. I mean, it's a lose-lose situation in that way because mm-hmm. we're all called to walk this thing out yeah. on a daily basis at with really the way we can, not trying to look at anyone else and emulate them, but really walk it out through your level of maturity and really make things happen in your walk, helping others, doing these different things. So when people try and set you up in that way, it's it's not a good thing. You know, it's really not. A good what are some of the more more difficult areas in the, in the NFL? Is it? I mean, I would imagine that the game itself physically. But, but there's got to be a lot of emotional stress, too. In that. Absolutely. I mean, well, if I had to give you examples, I think uh, transitioning into the league and then transitioning out, those are the most mm. difficult things. And I'll share a little bit of that uh, when we actually have the uh, Super Bowl Sunday bash. It's going to be fun. But I think when you transition into the league, you are actually being immersed. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> so many yeah. things are coming at you all at once, and you're trying to really – you know, compartmentalize it and go, okay, all right, I'm supposed to behave this way. I'm supposed to react this way. I'm supposed to manage my finances this way. I'm supposed to be ready and prepping for the games. All these different things are coming at you, and you're just trying to figure out how do I deal with all that. And you're talking 20 years old, 20, yeah. 21 years old. You're asking, you know? you're being asked to grow up real quick. Absolutely. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, too, you have to remember that, you know, maturity level. Some people are not there. You have yeah. different people at different points of maturity. And I also think that if you don't have the right mentoring taking place, mm-hmm. it can it can really be a challenge. I was going to say, you. do you need to have somebody to hold you accountable? Well, uh, we're trying to do a better job of that. Uh, I just stepped down from being the uh, president of the Players Association in uh, Ohio, and we tried to put in programs for a lot of the rookies that were coming in. But you know, Glenn, I have to be honest with you: when you have young people that are being introduced into a glamorized lifestyle. It can be very difficult to tell them to rein it in. Don't do this. Don't do that. They want to say, well, I see it on TV. I want to live that lifestyle. I want to be that person. Yeah. And that's where even the mentoring can fall short because people are only going to accept as much as they want to accept yeah. at the end of the day. Well, I, I don't want to pick on any particular Browns, but I, I guess I'll bring up a couple of names uh, because everybody's familiar with Just them. Just say numbers. We'll get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, but but there are challenges for, for young players like Johnny Menzel, yes. uh, Josh Gordon. And let's speak to that. Um, yeah, they you know kids see that and go, wow, that's right. a great lifestyle. That's what I should be doing. Yeah, they do, uh, but, you know, some people shy away from this, but I have to be honest with you. A uh, young man like Johnny Manziel, he has everything to offer back to the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really has a chance to influence in a very positive way outside of and off of the football field. But unless someone begins to nurture, you know, that level of maturity in him, unless someone shows him and points him in the right direction, right, he's going to continue down the path that he knows. And that is no fault of his. That's the path that he's on. 
So someone now has to sort of break in and say, no, why don't we try and uh, develop these points of character? You know, trust, responsibility, respect, uh, being fair, caring, and civic responsibility. But, but you know? I, I, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but let's just say he's not. Just for the argument's sake, why would he want to do that? Why does well, he have to do that? At the end of the day, he has been afforded an opportunity to play in a National Football League. It is only the right thing for him to do, to be giving and give back and be intentional with developing young people. He's been given this opportunity for a reason, you know, and there's a certain level of responsibility that goes along with that. But a lot of them don't, I'm not saying, I don't want to pick on him, but let's just, a lot of guys don't get that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, and it's I just not football. It's, it's, an all, it's all sports. Absolutely. But that's the culture too, Glenn. I mean, we have to remember that, you know, the culture is one of performance and then also the financial piece of it. You know, whether it's a $64 billion television contract, yeah. whatever it may be, there's this pressure to be a certain way, to be perceived a certain way. And guys like, and you, you say, Johnny, you're right. It's not just him. It's in NHL, NBA, you know, all at Major League Baseball. There's a certain level of performance that needs to take place where the guys feel like as long as I'm performing, don't ask me to do anything else. <laughs> I show up. I do these things. That's all I need to do. But I guess I would offer to you today and then also to our listeners that if you're truly going to grow into this thing and be mature, then you have to remember that it's a legacy part to this. It's not just right here, right now, what you can provide. It's long term. Yeah. It's a legacy focus. Yeah. And all eyes are on you, too, when you're in, in, in sports. So you got yeah. to be careful with that. But he, Jason brings up a good point, uh, Joel. Is and you you get this as a pastor is you know your congregation uh, you know folks out there the world's telling us how we should be. Um, I go grocery shopping with my wife and I'm standing there in line and I'm looking at the rack and and, there, and you see all the different magazines are telling women how you're supposed to dress how you're supposed to look how you're supposed to be and it's coming from the world it's not coming from scripture, and and we all get caught up in that we 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 all want to be the next American Idol, um, and and as a pastor that's going to be a big challenge for. For you and, and your, because your congregation's not immune to that. Well, I'm glad you brought up, for instance, American Idol, and and what is it about singing that so many young people want to do that? Uh, you know, there's a place for that for sure, but what about engineers and what about people who actually build society and do things in a productive kind of way? If you look at, for instance, Jewish culture, the way they define masculinity would be much different than the way we define it here in the United States of America, where it's it's defined more by physical feats, athleticism, sports. In Jewish culture, which of course is the culture of the Old Testament and the New Testament flows out of that, is more rooted in the idea of study and learning. Mm. It's one of the things I appreciate about my friend so much is that uh, he not only has been a professional athlete, but he saw it necessary to go to school to study at the highest levels. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is it about our culture where you know, I don't have kids running up to me and saying, hey, I want to learn to read Greek in the New Testament. <laughs> no, they, they, you don't have adults do that either. They, well, there you go. <laughs> no, but, you know, if they can kick a football, you know, yeah. that's, that's what's a treasure. And I also wonder about the way parents raise the kids in this way. Because if you think of, say, if we, if we look at the case of Johnny Manziel, whom we've mentioned, and I don't want to say too much about his family situation because I don't know. Right. But I wonder about the parental guidance through that whole process of, being groomed through high school and into college and the hopes for a pro career, everything becomes focused on that. And then there's a loss of these other values that Jason is speaking about. And I wonder if, for instance, if I could put on the other side of that spectrum, perhaps Archie Manning with his two sons 
again, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit careful to, to judge any of these folks, but they seem to be more the, the role model of, of how to do this in a responsible kind of a way. And I wonder how much the parental influence has to do. Well, you bring up a good this. point. I was, uh, we had an incident here where there was a school shooting uh, at one time, uh, Jason, and I happened to be talking to Josh McDowell mm. uh, that day on the phone. And he said, glad to see you had a, uh, an incident up in there in Ohio. He goes, I tell you what, he says, look at the situation. Look at the, the, the relationship between the shooter and his father. Right. And that will tell you an awful lot. And I would imagine being in the NFL, seeing a lot of men, um, father's very important, isn't he? Very important. Uh, really, when you talk about a, a pathway to success, really the, the father, and this is not to take away from the moms, you know, always kudos to the mothers. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's who you say hi to on camera when well, you're on the yeah, sideline. Absolutely. So. Hi, mom, you know, whatever it may be. You know, but at the end of the day, when you talk about the blessing, when the father is able to give the blessing to their child, it really opens up that door you know, for that child to do whatever they need to be able to do because they know that they have a certain level of love that's going to come from their father no matter what, you know, and that can speak life into that child. But let me back up to go forward. I never knew my father, okay, and that was a challenge. And I had all these different emotions and feelings about that. I'm going to share that too mm -hmm. at, at the Super Bowl bash. But at the end of the day, if you don't have someone lighting that path, almost like a, a, a landing field, you know, Cleveland Hopkins, when that plane comes in, you need to know where are we going to land at, how are we going to deal with this. Yep. When yep. you don't have a dad speaking into your life or, or telling you you better not do that or else, I mean, you can start to say, well, why not do this? Why not do that? And you have a, a very disproportionate amount of young people that go into the league and they don't have a relationship with their father. And then they try and figure it out along the way, you know, and that, that can be a challenge. And so we find that the league personnel or uh, the leadership in the league, they're trying to mandate uh, things that really should have been ingrained in a young person from the beginning. And it's, it's very difficult to do. I think young men and young women at some point, they have within them this, this desire to look up to somebody. Oh, absolutely. And, and they're going to look up to someone. That's and right. that's where the father and the mother need to be very prominent in, in the children's lives, unfortunately. And I don't want to use sports figures, mm -hmm. movie stars. Um, you know, we, we hear we had a, a discussion this uh, past week about the gangs. Sure. Last week about gangs. They'll, they'll get involved in gangs because it's a family environment for them because they don't really have family. Mm -hmm. So if the parents aren't going to be a part of the kids' lives, their chance for success is not very good, is it? And I, I'm talking about not success money-wise. I'm talking about success in life. Well, and, and again, if it goes back to that legacy focus, you know, yeah. I tell people I use the the uh, hashtag all the time, destiny focus, you mm -hmm. know, because you're thinking long term with everything that you do. And Glenn, to your point, I think the percentages go down for their success, not only financially, but uh, just having the ability to be in society and be a productive member of society. Uh, there's a there's less likelihood that they're going to go after those jobs that are going to challenge them and allow them to be in a higher socioeconomic status. They're right. going to kind of just, you know, muddle their way through. So we have to be intentional with if mom and dad are not there, standing in the gap for them through mentoring and training. That's what I do with my foundation. We provide mentoring, you know, yeah. to young people. But you have to be intentional with that thing because we have a segment of society, our young people, that have almost been forgotten. In a lot of ways, they just kind of make their way through society and do their own thing. And if we have just a brief moment here, I want to share. I, I was down at Tri-C, and uh, my 
my wife and I, my bride and I were down there and we were actually doing just an outreach, speaking to the young people. And they said to us afterwards, Glenn, that, you know what, no one comes to talk to us. No one shares some of the things that you're sharing with us about goal setting and being disciplined and focused and all these different things. And that really, that hurt, you know, that saddened me. But it happens so much. And until we are intentional with right. our efforts in society, it's going to continue down that path. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll discuss more of this next on Living the Word on AM 1220, The Word. AM 12, 20, The Word. Hi there, I'm Glenn Burks. Welcome to Living the Word, a program where we feature people who are living the Word. And thanks for being here on this Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend. Before we get to my guest today, just a couple of reminders. First of all, uh, we podcast this program up on the website, whkwradio.com. Click on Living the Word, then podcast. And all the different podcasts are right there that John Laughlin and myself do. Also, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook. If you want to reach out to us, you can also do it through our website. Again, that website is whkwradio.com. I want to welcome to the studio Dr. Joel Sosa. He is a pastor of the Church of the New Hope, also a professor at uh, Malone University. And Dr. Jason Carthen, he is, uh, well, he's a, a professional football player. At least at least you were, right, Jason? With, That's correct. With the, with the Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's correct, yes. Th- thank you both for being here. Yeah. Thank uh, you for having us on. Joel, uh, let's start out with you because there's a, there's a big event coming up here. Uh, a panel discussion is going to be happening in, in two weeks on, on February 1st. Tell me about this. Well, at our church, Church of the New Hope, which is on Darrow Road in Stowe, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to bring in my friend, Jason Carthen, who uh, we met, oh, 10 or so years ago. And uh, when I first met Jason at Malone University, I had learned a little bit about his NFL career. We've kept in touch over all these years. And I'm now pastoring this church in Stowe, and I have a very unique uh, group of people in this church in that I've got four persons that have PhDs, wow. one in Old wow. Testament, being myself, and then one in New Testament, one in theology, and then also one in history. So what we do from time to time is we turn our Sunday mornings into panel discussions where we take on issues that relate to Christian faith. Mm. And I thought Super Bowl Sunday would be a wonderful time to bring Jason in, let him tell his story of life in the NFL, and then what we'll do is after Jason has shared, we're going to open up for questions and answers from the congregation to Jason and to these panels of scholars who, you know, have a, a, a good understanding of the field of religion, theology, history, and Bible. So really, it's really negotiating that um, those waters between sports and religion. Yeah, we, we're generally concerned about uh, the culture in America with uh, sports, which I love so much and right. involved with, but at what point do we need to draw some boundaries? And Yeah, because at some point, sports could become an idol. Exactly. I'm Absolutely. glad you used the word. Absolutely. <laughs> you need to use the word. Well, well, here, well, here, this is one of the number one complaints I hear from pastors, and I talk to a lot of different pastors, is I don't have any kids on Sunday mornings, Jason, because they're at soccer practice, they're at uh, baseball, wherever they're right. at, swimming. There was actually one time the pastor said, uh, so-and-so wouldn't be here today because um, they had a swimming meet. Right. On Sunday morning. It was at the YWCA. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, here's a Christian organization, mm-hmm. and they're, they're not respecting the, the church's time with the kids. That, that's a real problem, isn't it? It is. And I think there needs to be balance. I think, Glenn, at the end of the day, we've gotten away from some of our uh, values, you know, and the more we can be intentional with kind of putting those values back in place, the better off we'll be. But, you know, it's just something that's happening in society now. So we have to be intentional with trying to bridge that gap and really making sure we have a balance. You know, faith is so important. 
Oh, absolutely. But that should be our number one priority. But unfortunately, a lot of times sports becomes becomes that number one priority. Is, have, we, have we glamorized sports too much today? I think so. Uh, to your point earlier, you know, for many people, it's become an idol. You know, it's really we rally around it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a gathering place. And, you know, back in the day, it used to be the church. That was a gathering place. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, unless we're intentional with really getting back to that, it's going to continue to be glamorized. Yeah. You know, and it, at a very early age, it's taking place, too. You know, so that's all you know. That's the only example that you see. Yeah, but it's not just the kids. It's the parents, too. It's like, Pastor, don't go too long. Kickoff's at 1 o'clock. you oh. got to get out of here. <laughs> well, Joel, you can speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do some parallels with uh, the life of the church and the life of a sports team, you can see a lot of common commonalities there in that people like to identify with a sports team. And, yeah. and that's fine, but do we identify with the church? Do we identify with Christ? The idea of gathering at a stadium and having loud expression, you know, are we willing to do that for God in, in the church environment as well? So I wonder sometimes if within our culture the idolatry moves to a place where the sporting world even substitutes completely for what is intended by God to be the gathering of saints together. And you find repetitively in the New Testament metaphors that are athletic metaphors that suggest that it's a, it's a good thing when Paul talks about running the race mm-hmm. in such a way that you may win and so on. And in Hebrews 12, you have the passage where there's a great cloud of witnesses that are that are rooting us on. But do we lose that when we move away from the church and we find our identity with that? Well, you, you bring up a good point. Our, our identity is in Christ. It isn't in a sports team. You know, Dr. Jeremiah once said that um, he big uh, Dallas uh, fan, Dallas Cowboys fan, and he followed them all over. He could go to their games and everything else, and, and they win the Super Bowl. And he said after he won the Super Bowl, he said, um, wow, he said, my life hasn't changed. That's right. It's, it's the yeah. same. And the same way with, with us. How many times, and, and you could probably relate to this, Jason, uh, being a Browns fan as we are, it's mm-hmm. you know, fif- almost 50 years and, you know, they've never gone to a Super Bowl. And Monday mornings around here are pretty bleak. We, we take our teams personally, don't we? Uh, a lot of times, yes, that's the case. I mean, it's almost it's embedded in society, especially in Cleveland. You know, I mean, the whole idea of the Browns doing well, they, the fans want to see it happen. But they've been disappointed so many times, you know, and it just goes back to that point of really elevating, you know, winning to that idol status. You just have to you have to be careful, keep it in its right uh, perspective at the end of the day. And uh, and maybe, you know, maybe the Browns will start winning, too. That would help. True, true. But like, <laughs> like, like you know, like Solomon says, I, I think he, he says it in uh, Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, my sports team has never won. <laughs> you know, but the conclusion of that book, he says, yeah. well, here's what I found out. All of all of this is meaningless right. unless you have God. Well, I was just thinking the same thing theologically about the book of Ecclesiastes. And I think Cleveland needs to win a championship so we can sort of experience that and then move on. Yeah. And realize that, like the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's got to be something more to life. And how it ends at the conclusion is when it's all said and done, you know, fear God, keep the commandments and that sort of thing. Uh, so I wish we could get there because I've been watching all these years for Cleveland to win a championship because I want to know what does it feel like, but I have a suspicion that once I get there. But my, well, okay. my, my, my life's not going to change, though. Yeah. The only thing I might right. do is, is drain my pocketbook a little bit more because I've, I've got to go buy some sports you know, T-shirts to say champion on them. That's about, that's about all that's going to change for me, really. I, I might feel better, but by the same token, is, is I'm still going to have the same problems and I'm going to still experience some of the same joys. And I'm probably not going to see any of that money that's being earned by these other folks. No, in the field. 
No. Jason, you played for uh, the New England Patriots, and I had heard once, and you correct me if I'm wrong, if you had heard this, Tom Brady, that he won all those all those Super Bowls, and he said that he said that's it. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really what it does. It it makes you feel like okay, it's on to the next. You know, I yeah. may have won this time, but there's pressure now to perform for the next time. Right, you know? and, and it never it never really ends. Yeah, and then you really and then you retire, and then the, you you won't get that back. That's right. That's right. All the time that's been spent, you know, you have to transition well, you know, after competing at that level. But I, I think at the end of the day, we have to remember that, you know, it's for a season. Anyway, you have the success, even in jobs, you know, you have a level of success and then you transition, you know, as long as you keep it in the right perspective, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And, 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 and Joel, he makes a good point. It's not just sports. It's, it's anything in our lives could become an idol. Right. Well, I enjoy watching after a championship game post-game interviews and so on, to watch mm-hmm. uh, the winner hold up the trophy five minutes after winning a championship and say, now we got to do it again next year. That's right. <laughs> and like, and that's we, the norm. We're not yeah. fulfilled? I mean, we already have to get on to the next thing. So there is this lack of fulfillment when we have idols in our life, and if it's sports or something else, and any type of recreation or entertainment that takes us away from what Christ has called us to do, which is to be serious disciples of him. But idols never fulfill. Right. In fact, they just want you to, to love them more. Oh. You need more and more and more. But how, how many times do we hear people that get ad- addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography? Or they got to have more. They got to have more. Mm-hmm. And they're never fulfilled. Right. Ever. And the and, and same thing can happen in sports, right, Jason? We just, absolutely. I, I just, you know, I, I'm following my home team, so I, I need more. Yeah, I actually absolutely. have to have more. Yeah, and, you know, I love that we began the parallel. You know, when you think about life and business, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, we have... Right now, we have the example that whoever's going to win in the Super Bowl, it's going to be that pressure to perform again. Right. You know, I think Russell Wilson even talked about it. You know, they really thought he was not going to do well, and he didn't do well initially, but he rallied, and even at the end, they were saying, wow, he has an opportunity to go back. But that pressure to make it back was really impactful upon him early on. And it's the same thing in life and in business, too, because you have people that they may do well one quarter, but then your boss or the CEO or whoever it may be may say to you, okay, well, we did well then. What are we going to do this time? Yeah. So you still have that same pressure to perform. Yeah. Talking with Dr. Joel Sosa and Dr. Jason Carthen and talking about sports and, and religion. And, Jason, you were a player for uh, New England and the Jaguars. What's it like? Um, I mean, we only see what's on television. And, you know, we, we think everybody's religious in the NFL because they're always pointing to the sky after they <laughs> score a touchdown. So we're like, wow, those guys really know God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you know what, Glenn? It's, it's a challenge. Uh, really walking out your faith uh, in the National Football League is very difficult. Uh, many things are offered to you. Uh, many opportunities to do things that are probably not in your best interest are made available to you. So you have to be mature you yeah. know, in your decision-making. Uh, and if you have your faith, that's something that you can hold on to, uh, and you're you're able to make better decisions in that way. True. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell a story to you or our listeners. You know, it's it's a lot of challenges. You know, walking it out when yeah. you're in the league. Well, you're you're attacked more because you are a Christian. Well, I, I think so. Yeah. And the minute that you, as you share, point at the sky or say, you know, I'm a believer, people look at you and go, Oh, really? Well, let's test this theory. Let, yeah. Let's see, you know, how see, far this is going like to go. That. I don't like well, No one and, likes the testing. Well, and I think at the end of the day, even if you're not in the National Football League, people still want to test yeah. your walk. They want to see whether or not, okay, does it really line up? 
You know, you can be driving down the street, and I've told people before, when you have the fish on your on your back uh, bumper there and people see it, hey, people may even just coax you there to see what you're going to do, how Touch, you're going to react. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's just a matter of being intentional with your walk every day, all the time. You know, I mean, you really don't, you really don't have a day off in that way. You that's really true. Don't. And Joel, you can speak to that, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Well, uh, all of us. Uh, I mean, like you said, I have a actually. I'm, I'm surprised you, you brought up uh, the fish, our, our sister station bumper sticker. Right. I have a, a friend at church. We go to Bible study together. He goes, you know, I, he goes, I don't, I don't like having that fish bumper sticker on the back of my car because then I have to, I have to drive uh, correctly because he wants the speed. He wants to go yeah. faster, and he goes, boy, I feel really guilty having that on there. <laughs> you know, I don't want people to see me going too fast with that on. But, but we're like that though, mm-hmm. and people do look at us. And they, and they want to see how if we're walking the faith. And a lot of times people don't want us to walk that faith because then they can say, oh, see, those Christians are just like us. They're no different. They're not better than we are, we're, which is true. We're not better than they are. No, we're, we're not. We're not. But I think the thing is, you know, when you're when you're tested that way mm-hmm. uh, and they're doing that to see what you're going to do. I mean, it's a lose-lose situation in that way because mm-hmm. we're all called to walk this thing out yeah. on a daily basis at with really the way we can, not trying to look at anyone else and emulate them, but really walk it out through your level of maturity and really make things happen in your walk, helping others, doing these different things. So when people try and set you up in that way, it's it's not a good thing. You know, it's really not. What are some of the more more difficult areas in the, in the NFL? Is it? I mean, I would imagine that the game itself physically, but but there's got to be a lot of emotional stress too. In that. Absolutely. I mean, well, if I had to give you examples, I think uh, transitioning into the league and then transitioning out, those are the most mm. difficult things. And I'll share a little bit of that uh, when we actually have the uh, Super Bowl Sunday bash. It's going to be fun. But I think when you transition into the league, you are actually being immersed. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> so many yeah. things are coming at you all at once and you're trying to really you know, compartmentalize it and go, okay, all right, I'm supposed to behave this way. I'm supposed to react this way. I'm supposed to manage my finances this way. I'm supposed to be ready and prepping for the games. All these different things are coming at you, and you're just trying to figure out how do I deal with all that. And you're talking 20 years old, 20, yeah. 21 years old. You're asking, you know? you're being asked to grow up real quick. Absolutely. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, too, you have to remember that, you know, maturity level. Some people are not there. You have yeah. different people at different points of maturity. And I also think that if you don't have the right mentoring taking place, mm-hmm. it can it can really be a challenge. I was going to say, you. do you need to have somebody to hold you accountable? Well, uh, we're trying to do a better job of that. Uh, I just stepped down from being the uh, president of the Players Association in uh, Ohio, and we tried to put in programs for a lot of the rookies that were coming in. But you know, Glenn, I have to be honest with you: when you have young people that are being introduced into a glamorized lifestyle. It can be very difficult to tell them to rein it in. Don't do this. Don't do that. They want to say, well, I see it on TV. I want to live that lifestyle. I want to be that person. Yeah. And that's where even the mentoring can fall short because people are only going to accept as much as they want to accept yeah. at the end of the day. Well, I, I don't want to pick on any particular Browns, but I, I guess I'll bring up a couple of names uh, because everybody's familiar with Just them. Just say numbers. We'll get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, but but there are challenges for, for young players like Johnny Menzel, yes. uh, Josh Gordon. And let's speak to that. Um, yeah, they you know kids see that and go, wow, that's right. a great lifestyle. That's what I should be doing. Yeah, they do. Uh, but, you know, 
some people shy away from this, but I have to be honest with you. Uh, a young man like Johnny Manziel, he has everything to offer back to the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really has a chance to influence in a very positive way outside of and off of the football field. But unless someone begins to nurture, you know, that level of maturity in him, unless someone shows him and points him in the right direction. Right. He's going to continue down the path that he knows. And that is no fault of his. That's the path that he's on. So someone now has to sort of break in and say, no, why don't we try and uh, develop these points of character? You know, trust, responsibility, respect. Uh, being fair, caring, and civic responsibility. But but you know? I, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but let's just say he's not. Just for the argument's sake, why would he want to do that? Why does well, he have to do that? At the end of the day, he has been afforded an opportunity to play in the National Football League. It is only the right thing for him to do, to be giving and give back and be intentional with developing young people. He's been given this opportunity for a reason. you know, And there's a certain level of responsibility that goes along with that. But a lot of them don't, I'm not saying, I don't want to pick on him, but let's just, a lot of guys don't get that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, and it's I just not football. It's, it's, an all, it's all sports. Absolutely. But that's the culture too, Glenn. I mean, we have to remember that, you know, the culture is one of performance and then also the financial piece of it. You know, whether it's a $64 billion television contract, yeah. whatever it may be, there's this pressure to be a certain way, to be perceived a certain way. And guys like, and you, you say, Johnny, you're right. It's not just him. It's in NHL, NBA, you know, all at Major League Baseball. There's a certain level of performance that needs to take place where the guys feel like as long as I'm performing, don't ask me to do anything else. <laughs> I show up. I do these things. That's all I need to do. But I guess I would offer to you today and then also to our listeners that if you're truly going to grow into this thing and be mature, then you have to remember that it's a legacy part to this. It's not just right here, right now, what you can provide. It's long term. Yeah. It's a legacy focus. Yeah. And all eyes are on you, too, when you're in, in, in sports. So you got yeah. to be careful with that. But he, Jason brings up a good point, uh, Joel, is, and you, you get this as a pastor, is, you know, your congregation, uh, you know, folks out there, the world's telling us how we should be. Um, I go grocery shopping with my wife, and I'm standing there in line, and I'm looking at the rack, and, and, there, and you see all the different magazines are telling women how you're supposed to dress, how you're supposed to look, how you're supposed to be. And it's coming from the world. It's not coming from Scripture. And, and we all get caught up in that. We, we, we all want to be the next American idol. Um, and, and as a pastor, that's going to be a big challenge for, for you and, and your, because your congregation's not immune to that. Well, I'm glad you brought up, for instance, American Idol. And, and what is it about singing that so many young people want to do that at, you know, there's a place for that for sure, but what about engineers and what about people who actually build society and do things in a productive kind of way? If you look at, for instance, Jewish culture, the way they define masculinity would be much different than the way we define it here in the United States of America, where it's, it's defined more by uh, physical feats, athleticism, sports. In Jewish culture, which of course is the culture of the Old Testament and the New Testament flows out of that, is more rooted in the idea of study and learning. Mm. It's one of the things I appreciate about my friend so much is that uh, he not only has been a professional athlete, but he saw it necessary to go to school and to study at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it about our culture where, you know, I don't have kids running up to me and saying, hey, I want to learn to read Greek in the New Testament. <laughs> no, they, they, you don't have adults do that either. They, well, there you go. <laughs> no, but you know if they can kick a football, you know yeah. that's that's what's a treasure. And I also wonder about the way 
parents raise the kids in this way. Because if you think of, say, if we if we look at the case of Johnny Manziel, whom we've mentioned, and I don't want to say too much about his family situation because I don't know. Right. But I wonder about the parental guidance through that whole process of being groomed through high school and in the college and the hopes for a pro career. Everything becomes focused on that. And then there's a loss of these other values that Jason is speaking about. And I wonder if, for instance, if I could put on the other side of that spectrum, perhaps Archie Manning with his two sons. Again, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit careful to, to judge any of these folks, but they seem to be more the, the role model of, of how to do this in a responsible kind of a way. And I wonder how much the parental influence has to do. Well, you bring up a good this. point. I was, uh, we had an incident here where there was a school shooting uh, at one time, uh, Jason, and I happened to be talking to Josh McDowell mm. uh, that day on the phone. And he said, glad to see you had a, uh, an incident up in there in Ohio. He goes, I tell you what, he says, look at the situation. Look at the, the, the relationship between the shooter and his father. Right. And that will tell you an awful lot. And I would imagine being in the NFL, seeing a lot of men, um, father's very important, isn't he? Very important. Uh, really, when you talk about a, a pathway to success, really the, the father, and this is not to take away from the moms, you know, always kudos to the mothers. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's who you say hi to on camera when well, you're on the yeah, sidelines. Absolutely. So. Hi, mom, you know, whatever it may be, you know, but at the end of the day, when you talk about the blessing, when the father is able to give the blessing to their child, it really opens up that door, you know, for that child to do whatever they need to be able to do because they know that they have a certain level of love that's going to come from their father, no matter what, you know, and that can speak life into that child. But let me back up to go forward. I never knew my father, okay, and that was a challenge. And I had all these different emotions and feelings about that. I'm going to share that too mm -hmm. at, at the Super Bowl bash. But at the end of the day, if you don't have someone lighting that path, almost like a, a, a landing field, you know, Cleveland Hopkins, when that plane comes in, you need to know where are we going to land at, how are we going to deal with this. Yep. When yep. you don't have a dad speaking into your life or, or telling you you better not do that or else, I mean, you can start to say, well, why not do this? Why not do that? And you have a, a very disproportionate amount of young people that go into the league and they don't have a relationship with their father. And then they try and figure it out along the way. You know, and that, that can be a challenge. And so we find that the league personnel or uh, the leadership in the league, they're trying to mandate uh, things that really should have been ingrained in a young person from the beginning. And it's, it's very difficult to do. I think young men and young women at some point, they have within them this, this desire to look up to somebody. Oh, absolutely. And, and they're going to look up to someone. That's and right. that's where the father and the mother need to be very prominent in, in the children's lives, unfortunately. And I don't want to use sports figures, mm -hmm. movie stars. Um, you know, we, we hear we had a, a discussion this uh, past week about the gangs. Sure. Last week about gangs. They'll, they'll get involved in gangs because it's a family environment for them because they don't really have family. Mm -hmm. So if the parents aren't going to be a part of the kids' lives, their chance for success is not very good, is it? And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm talking about not success money-wise. I'm talking about success in life. Well, and, and again, if it goes back to that legacy focus, you know, yeah. I tell people I use the the uh, hashtag all the time, destiny focus, mm -hmm. you know, because you're thinking long term with everything that you do. And Glenn, to your point, I think the percentages go down for their success, not only financially, but uh, just having the ability to be in society and be a productive member of society. Uh, there's a there's less likelihood that they're going to go after those jobs that are going to challenge them and allow them to be in a higher socioeconomic status. They're right. going to kind of just, 
you know, muddle their way through. So we have to be intentional with if mom and dad are not there, standing in the gap for them through mentoring and training. That's what I do with my foundation. We provide mentoring, you know, yeah. to young people. But you have to be intentional with that thing because we have a segment of society, our young people, that have almost been forgotten in a lot of ways. They just kind of make their way through society and do their own thing. And if we have just a brief moment here, I want to share. I, I was down at Tri-C, and uh, my wife and I, my bride and I were down there, and we were actually doing just an outreach, speaking to the young people. And they said to us afterwards, Glenn, that, you know what, no one comes to talk to us. No one shares some of the things that you're sharing with us about goal setting and being disciplined and focused and all these different things. And that really, that hurt. You know, that saddened me. But it happens so much. And until we are intentional with right. our efforts in society, it's going to continue down. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll discuss more of this next on Living the Word on AM 1220, The Word. <laughs> 